We are studying the temple, God's temple, and the theology, the teachings that Scripture gives us about the temple. Because even though there is no physical temple anymore, the doctrine of the temple comes over into the New Testament and is used in a bunch of different ways. And it is a rich set of doctrines. It's something for us to really understand. It's worth your while spending time studying this idea of the temple for yourself. It will enrich your understanding of the Christian faith. So Jeremy and I are going to just go through various aspects of Scripture to try and understand what God says about His temple. And one of the stories that I think is foundational, though it doesn't involve a physical temple, one of the stories that's foundational about this doctrine is what happens to Moses at Mount Sinai. So you've got your study sheets there. We're going to look at passages from chapter 3 of Exodus and then chapters 19 and 20 of Exodus. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Horeb is another name for Sinai. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, but it wasn't consumed. And Moses said, I'll turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. The Lord saw that he turned aside to see. God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. It's one of the most powerful images. It's come down to us in a variety of poems. It's come down to us in a variety of forms uh, to enrich our current practice. Take your shoes off. When I was a little boy, a little boy, I was taught with great seriousness and frequent sternness, no running in the church building. Also, no shouting, no pinching your sister, no punching David North in the face. I mean, there was a lot of a nose for me. It was all about the church building. You would, don't do that in the church building. Now, the same people who would get on to me for violating those rules were the ones who said, now, really, the church is not the building. The church is the people. I had a hard time putting those two things together in my head. Well, what is it then? Is this building special or not? Yes, it is special. And and this idea, I mean, seriously, the no running in the church building, that is kind of our modern version of take your shoes off. You're in holy ground. I mean, we know there's something going on in a place like this. The place isn't special, but that theology of holy ground, that has grown up. It's matured when we get to the New Testament, but it never goes away. There is still a very strong doctrine of holy ground in the New Testament. 
If God meets us in a place, that place is holy ground. If God meets us in a place, that place is holy ground. Now, we get that backwards a lot of times. We think, well, it's the place then that's holy. No, it's because God meets us. While God is there, while God is present, that place is holy. In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, Paul says, Don't you know that you, talking to the whole congregation of Corinth, don't you know that you are God's temple? And that the God's Spirit lives in you, the congregation. The church is the people. And that means the church is holy ground. This building is just a building. If an earthquake comes or a tornado comes and wipes it out, the church will still be here. This is just a building. And yet, God is in us. And this is holy ground. So if you're going to walk on your fellow Christians, at least take your shoes off. Better yet, treat every Christian you meet as holy ground. And we all have the earthly status gains. Everybody's got, you know, kind of keeping score. Who's rich? Who's not? Who's, who's this? Who's that? Who's the prettiest? Who's the smelliest? All of that stuff that we keep track of. Every Christian you meet is holy ground. Treat, treat this assembly and treat each Christian you meet as holy ground. As holy ground. So God comes to Moses in this burning bush moment. We've studied that for a lot. And there's so much theology in that. We can't explore it all. I'm just going to focus on this aspect of it. And God says, I've got a job to do. I've, I've heard about how terrible things are for my people, and now I have a plan. Verse 10, come, I will send you that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt you will serve God on this mountain. In our Sunday morning Bible classes, we're studying the, the call stories, the call narratives. This is one of the most famous of the call stories that we have in the Bible. And, and there's, a, there's a piece of most call stories, most call narratives, where, where the person who's being called says, I don't know. And Moses says, oh, I don't think you should send me. I think you should pick somebody else. And God says, I'll be with you. And here's your first, there's usually a moment where God gives assurance. And, and here's the first of the assurances that God gives to Moses said, this will be the sign that you did the right thing. You're going to come back and meet me again at this mountain to worship me. You're going to, you're going to bring all those Israelites out and they're going to be here at this mountain. If you, if you've got your Bibles, you can turn over to Exodus chapter 19 where that prediction of God is fulfilled on the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out from the land of Egypt. 
On that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israelite encamped before the mountain where God went, uh, Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all people. For all the earth is mine. And you will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak, Moses, to the people of Israel. So Moses came and he called the elders of the people and set them before for them all the words that the Lord had commanded him. And all the people answered and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people back to the Lord. This is a great moment. This is so much going on here. God says, I'm going to meet you at this mountain. That'll be your first sign that I'm really with you. I'm going to meet you back at this mountain. And here they have arrived through many, many, many amazing things. They've come back to the mountain. And now that God has them at the mountain, He says, verse 5, You are going to be my treasured possession. You are going to be my nation of priests. My holy people. That's what you're going to be. We're all very familiar with the Great Commission in the New Testament. Go! Make disciples everywhere. We understand that. Exodus 19, verse 5 is the Great Commission of the Old Testament. God says, I have a plan. The whole earth belongs to me. Here's what you are supposed to do, Israel. You are to be my nation of priests. You are to be my holy nation. If I'm a priest, who am I a priest for? If you're a priest, who are you a priest for? You're interceding for somebody. If God chooses the whole nation of Israel, then they've got to be, they're not priests to themselves. They are interceding for some, something else, someone else. Who are they interceding for? God says, the whole world is mine. I'm choosing you, a whole group of people, a whole nation of people, to be holy. I'm going to teach you how to do that. And to be my priests for the rest of the world. That's the great commission of the Old Testament. That's what Israel was called to do when they met God there at Mount Sinai. They weren't great at that job. Just like we're not that great at our great commission either. They failed more often than they succeeded. But that's what God's plan was. It was part of His grand scheme to to bring everything back together under Him. To end the rebellion, to end the effects of sin. And to bring in the kingdom of heaven. That's, that's, that's Israel's part. And you know what? To get that commission, they had to show up. That's the second lesson I want us to learn. If we want to be God's people, 
We need to come to God's meeting place. God told Moses, I want you to bring the people here. We have an appointment. Come to this mountain and serve me. When Moses goes and argues with Pharaoh, he says, we got to go serve God. We have an appointment. you got to let us go. No. Meet Him here, Pharaoh says. Just go worship. And then get back to work. And Moses said, no, we got to go. You've got to let us go. It's a long argument. Punctuated by plagues. And finally... The great nation of Egypt is brought to its knees by God's power and the Israelites are allowed to go free. 400 years of slavery ends with the liberation of God. And and they come and they show up at Mount Sinai and God says, I want you to be my representatives to the rest of the world. You're going to be my holy people. If we want to be God's people, we need to keep God's appointments. When He says... I'm going to meet you at a place. Guess what? We need to be at that place. If He says, I'm going to be there, we need to be there. If He says, as Paul quotes Jesus as saying in 1 Corinthians 11, do this in remembrance of Me, we need to be there. When He says, as He says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We need to be there. When he says, where two or three of you are gathered, I am there too. We need to be there. If we want to be God's people, We need to come to God's meeting place. Look down at verse 16 of chapter 19. This is an odd aspect of these meetings with God. We notice that Moses had this reaction and seems like everyone else does too. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountains and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people of the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like a smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. Skipping down to verse, chapter 20, verse 18. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and they said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak to us again or we will die. I had an interesting conversation this week. Friday, actually, of this week. This past week. And a whole bunch of different things. I was talking to one of the OC students, and a whole bunch of different things came up. But at one point, the student said, you know, I wish God would just be more explicit. I said, what do you mean? You want God to talk? Yeah, I want God to. Why doesn't He just talk to us? 
And, you know, I had to admit that, yeah, I kind of want that too. And yet I know from the Scripture that if God actually talks, it's scary. It's terrifying. God is terrifying. And that's what you see here. God says, I want you to bring those people. They've been slaves for 400 years. They've learned all kinds of idolatry, all kinds of evil practices. They've been degraded. They've been beat down and they've reacted. Their souls are small and warped and filled with sin. Bring them to this mountain and meet me here. When they show up at the mountain and they actually hear God's speech, they are afraid. They are afraid. We are all happy to say, God is awesome! We forget that that same root means God is awful. We're happy to say, God is terrific! We forget that that same root means God is terrible and terrifying. You realize how scary it is to meet God. Trembling is the right response when a human being meets God. So how come you and I don't tremble? How come you're not scared right now? You've come to a place where God says, if you show up, I'm going to be there in a special way. God's everywhere. The whole earth is His. He's already said that. He's all places, but there are some places He says, I'm going to show up if you show up. And this is one of them, right here. Us. God's here. Why aren't you scared? It's another piece of Old Testament theology that has matured, but has never gone away. God is still just as terrible as He ever was. He's just as awful as He ever was. He's just as awesome as he ever was. He's just as terrific as he ever was. That has never gone away. Meeting God is always dangerous. Meeting God is always dangerous. So why aren't we afraid? The writer of Hebrews says this, for you, talking to Christians, you have not come to what may be Touched a blazing fire, a darkness and gloom and a tempest. The sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. He's just remembering this exact set of events here from Exodus 19 and 20. The people are told, don't even touch the mountain, it's so holy. You have to kill even an animal that touches the mountain, it's so holy. And the people say, we don't want to hear God's voice anymore. It's too much for us. Meeting God is always dangerous. So why aren't we afraid? The Hebrew writer goes on in verse 22, But you have come. You didn't come to that mountain, the mountain of terror. You have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, 
the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Abel's blood says, guilty. The blood of Jesus says, forgiven. Much better word. Meeting God is always dangerous. But we are protected by the blood of Jesus. We are protected by the blood of Jesus. Why are you safe in the presence of God? It's not because you dress well. Some of us don't even do that. Why are you safe in the presence of God? It's not because you come to the right church. Others don't. Why are you safe in the presence of God? It's not because you live well and other people live sinfully. Why are you safe in the presence of God? It's because you have been washed in the blood of Jesus. God is mind-blowingly awesome and mind-blowingly terrifying. It is a power to be in the presence of God is to be in the presence of a power that can obliterate us in an instant and that by all justice should. To stand before God in my sinfulness is to stand as a person who has failed miserably and, and attacked God again and again and again. He has all the power to wipe me out and justice cries out that I need to be punished. But He's allowed me to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's always dangerous. Meeting God is always dangerous. But we are protected by the blood of Jesus. If you want Jesus' blood in your life, if you want Him to protect you and make you part of this new kingdom, the greater kingdom of priests, the greater holy nation that has now been created in the name of Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, if you want to be part of this great, great mission of God to bring His will into the world, to bring in the kingdom of heaven, if you are ready to receive baptism, to be washed, to be renewed, to begin your new life, or if you need prayers, something that this church can do for you, we invite you to come as we stand and as we sing.